Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Mock drafts are not an indication of final draft selection order. All placements and opinions are subject to change. This exercise is to help familiarize you with players at the top of the 2024 draft order only. These drafts are called mock for a reason. Overexposure to mock drafts before April can lead to blindness, paralysis by analysis, hysterical outbursts, cold takes, nausea, and or vomiting declarations of true love you'll later regret. I'd be willing to bet that warning does absolutely nothing to stop people Zero. from saying, but hold on. <laughs> In December, you said, yes, it will happen. We know it will happen. It's our comedic chance to take a little take a little heat off this. Don't take it too seriously. It's a fun exercise. It's to familiarize you all with some of these names to start to look at what's going to happen through the next four months, which we all know will be a wild ride. Uh, we're not going to waste any more of your time. We're going to get into the first pick right now. And uh, keep in mind, the format of this is EJ and I each did our own mocks of what we would do at each of these picks. So most of them are actually going to be the same. Uh, some of them are going to have differing choices. And honestly, now that I think about it, I think I think there's only like 12 total players that we're even talking about today. They're just kind <laughs> of in slightly different order. But uh, pick number one is a pick where we're actually in agreement on this. And I I kind of was half expecting us to not be in agreement because it's less about, you know, which quarterback should the Bears take and more so about the question of should the Bears even take a quarterback. And I myself am waffling back and forth on this. And you could consider that a character flaw on my part because I am undyingly loyal to Justin Fields. But when I look at the financial incentives, that's kind of what pushes me over the edge of like, hey, that five-year window of cheap quarterback play, potentially good cheap quarterback play is so valuable, you kind of want to go after that. And so even though I do believe in Justin Fields eventually making it in this league and being a good quarterback and, and you know leading a team to success, I at the moment, I'm just not convinced that's going to be in Chicago. And so really what it comes down to is, okay, we're going to go with a young quarterback is that young quarterback Caleb Williams or Drake May? You and I are in agreement on this. It's Caleb Williams. Again, reserve the right to change our mind between now and April, but I've stuck with Caleb for two years now, and I've seen everything that he can do uh, on and off the football field. You know, Talking to people around that program, um, the kind of leader he is, uh, the kind of football savant he is. Like This is not just a dude who scrambles around and makes plays. I mean, he does scramble around and make plays, but there's there's more to him than that. And I don't, I don't subscribe to the Zach Wilson comparisons, right? I think he's a better quarterback than that. Even though Zach himself was also a talented thrower, Caleb is a better quarterback. And so what I want, 
first things first, what I want to know from you is how close are you in terms of Caleb versus May? And do you think there is a legitimate argument for May to go ahead of Caleb? Or are you ride or die? Like, no matter what, Caleb's the dude. This gets really muddy in terms of the water because certainly there's the take with Justin that you're talking about. uh, And we are in lockstep on that. We both believe in Justin. We both believe he will be a quality starter in this league. We neither one of us think that's going to happen in Chicago with all the water that's under the bridge. You don't get picks at the top of the draft very often. The window you talked about for resetting the time frame for the team, resetting the salary cap implications, and hopefully going on that young quarterback run, which is absolute gold, pure mana in terms of NFL team building. We both believe they're probably going to move on and take a quarterback with an early pick. Then you get into the Caleb versus Drake stuff. And I do think there's an argument for Drake over Caleb, and it's not so much the players, it's stylistically what a team wants. The reason I chose Caleb in this particular spot is there is going to be, there already is so much institutional pressure on the Bears to take Caleb. There are so many voices around the league, in the scouting community, in the college community, There is a massive amount of pressure. And if you do anything besides Caleb and Caleb works out anywhere, you're screwed. You're going to get run out of the league. It's like MJ and Sam Bowie. I mean, I'm not saying Caleb's going to be MJ. I'm saying that's the way he's being talked about right now in so many circles that you're going to get second guessed so hard. You You have to be so absolutely committed and sure, which is incredibly difficult to do in the draft, especially with quarterbacks up high or not, that if you do anything besides Caleb, if you stay in the top spot, take a quarterback, you better be a thousand percent right. And you're still probably going to get needled. It's one of those, um, honestly, I go back to like the 20, was it 2020 draft? I think it was, where it's Burrow and Tua and Herbert and all them like Burrow was QB one with a bullet. Like everybody had Burrow as QB one except for like the five people that had Tua still there because they were hanging on to like the the tank for Tua. Uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. And Tua worked out, by the way. Too. Like all five quarterbacks taken in that draft <laughs> seemed to be working out. But what I'm saying is it's, it's a very similar thing of like, hey, everybody had Burrow as QB1. If you went against that and then Burrow turned into Burrow somewhere else, which he probably would have. Yep. Uh, like... You're fucked. Like you, just, you just get yeah, fired, you're right? Done. <laughs> so, hundred percent. It's, it's, it's exactly kind of the argument. same way. Uh, yeah. And so, I we're gonna have many, many months to pick Caleb apart. I'm not saying he's a perfect prospect. Um, he is not. Like there, there are actual things that that he needs to work on, and he knows that. Like he he knows mm-hmm. what his his issues are. Like he played a bunch of hero ball because his defense was bad. It caused some bad habits. And, and believe me he is well aware but when I look at the work ethic when I look at just the pure talent the mobility the arm strength like he's not the biggest guy but he's big enough but he's got a cannon for an arm hyper mobile unreal instincts like just as a football player Um, there's so much to work with there and if he goes to 
a staff. Well, here's the, here's another caveat. If he goes to a staff that can kind of rein him in and mold him just like Andy did for Mahomes, he has Mahomes-type mm-hmm. talent. Now, again, Patrick was extraordinarily lucky that he went to Andy. Yep. I'm not super confident that, like, Luke Getze is the dude to to do that with with Caleb. But if the Bears, say, change staffs and they bring in... What do you think about, like, Dave Canales? Like, wild card, Dave Canales with Caleb. We've talked I think about that could work. We've talked about Canales, and it definitely could. He's done a tremendous job with Baker this year, reining in some of Baker's worst traits and just allowing good Baker, what we call good Baker, to show. And it's been more successful than a lot of people, I think, both in the Tampa fan base and outside around the league have thought possible. So I like that particular match. I'm not sure how Canales feels about being a head coach because it is very different than being a coordinator. But in terms of somebody to work with somebody like Caleb, who is incredibly talented. Baker is also incredibly talented, was a top quarterback prospect in his day, but had some bad habits that continued on through the league because he bounced around to places where they didn't necessarily drum it out of him. And that is a tough balance with a guy like Caleb or Mahomes or really any quarterback to say, keep the good stuff, keep the explosion, keep the instincts, keep the holy cow, we said no, no, no. And then you threw it 70 yards and we all said yes. Like, keep that stuff, but early in the play, do less of the things that make us worry. With Caleb, that is the decision to sort of get off speed. The fact that when he plays under pressure, it is a very different picture and fumbles. Like, fumbles are a thing. You're going to hear about it all draft season. Like, those are the bad things. Fumbles are also a thing with Justin. So Chicago fans are familiar with ball security and and a quarterback. But it's very difficult as a quarterback developer to say, keep all the good explosive stuff, but don't do the bad stuff. And that's what the best ones do. And that's what's the ones who don't succeed fail at is being able to sort of legislate out the bad things that really bring a quarterback and quite frankly, in the modern NFL, a team down. Uh, Moving on to pick number two, obviously Caleb went one. And so the other the other elephant in the room, so to speak, is is Drake May. He's there at two for a quarterback-needed team with the Patriots. Obviously, you and I both have May going to New England at this point. And that's, that's not the hard part here. Um, <laughs> the discussion that I actually want to have is about May as a player because there's this interesting um, narrative, I, I guess you could say, where Caleb is seen as like, the wild card, the one who's going to do all the off script stuff and then like be bad within structure. And and Drake is seen as like, he's the guy that if he's in structure, he's good and he's pinpoint accurate and everything like that. And they're almost casting them as like two very different quarterbacks. And it's kind of odd to me because when I watch Drake play, I'm like, no, nah, he does all the off structure stuff Two, like like when things go wrong and he has to run around and make off-platform throws and do like honestly kind of heavily ill-advised stuff <laughs> that just happens to work out. Like he does all that shit too. He doesn't do it as much as Caleb, but like I, I see his physical skill set as actually uh, pretty comparable to what Caleb brings to the table. I think Caleb is quicker uh, in short areas. Um, I think it's kind of splitting hairs a little bit in terms of what their actual skill sets are. And Drake is like seen as this 
this guy was like, oh, you keep him in structure and he's going to be the field general from wind of the pocket. And it's like, nah, he does all the he does all the wacky shit, too. And he just doesn't really get credit for that. I think he's a more creative, more instinctive player than he gets given credit for. And honestly, considering where the Patriots are right now, they kind of need creativity. They kind of need instinct. They need somebody <laughs> who can just make a play because yep. Lord knows Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi when stuff goes wrong within structure like they can't they can't do anything else so like drake is a better fit than than i think people give him credit for yeah i think he's a better quarterback uh i certainly have him ranked higher than either one of those guys coming out in terms of lots of the things you talk about but you're not wrong in terms of people wanting to be able to pigeonhole people and to really sort of differentiate them it's it's not a great it's not an easy take to sell in modern sports media to say, no, these guys are pretty darn similar. Like they're almost the same. That doesn't work. People want differences. People want way better at this and way worse at that. So uh, it's it's two sides of a coin. Caleb gets uh, way more credit and a little bit more scrutiny for being the guy that's running around and chucking it out of structure. That's where the Zach Wilson's comparison comes from because it really couldn't be from almost anything else uh, as you look at their total games. And May gets more credit for playing well within structure early in the down, and he does do that. But yes, he also can make very ill-advised off-platform throws outside the pocket work because he's got an absolute cannon for an arm. And he too is a very smart quarterback. A lot of the things you said about um, Caleb being a very good leader and being a very instinctual, good, you know, great instincts as a football player. Drake's got those too. So it's sort of like, I'd say it's like 60, 40 for both of them, but they get emphasis on the opposite things. Um, he's a very good prospect. He's certainly better than anything the Patriots have. He would be an upgrade, um, certainly physically over both the quarterbacks currently on the Patriots roster. He is going to allow them to build a very different kind of offense and yes, can survive while they do that. Because we all know with young quarterbacks and rebuilding offenses, there are going to be more plays off structure and he is not helpless in that situation at all. There is a contingent of Patriots fans, small contingent, what a loud contingent that <laughs> wait Patriots fans are loud what <laughs> I know shocker <laughs> um and and it's it's almost like a a, a contingent of despair because they're like well even if we take Drake he's got nobody to throw to and you know who's who's actually going to be his playmaker we're going to ruin him because he doesn't have um I mean, really, any receivers other than, like, Pop Douglas, you know, the tight end core is very underwhelming. Like, they, a lot of them are on either the, the take Marvin Harrison train hmm. um, and, and you know, maybe look at, like, a day two quarterback or they're not going to run it that run it back with Mac or Zappy, But, you know, maybe look at, like, the free agent quarterback market and see if you could pick up a, not Jacoby Brissett, but, like, a Jacoby Brissett type, right? Sure. But with better weapons, you take Marvin, you, you take, honestly, another receiver in the second round, and you build the supporting cast first, and then you try to get young quarterback later. There are Patriots fans who who believe in, in that path because Marvin is about as bus-proof as it gets at receiver. Um, would you say, not even, is it possible? Of course it's possible. 
did that thought even cross your mind whatsoever when when doing this mock? It did. I mean, I thought about Marvin at number one. And honestly, if the Bears commit to Justin Fields, that's the play. Like, you take Marvin at one because he is the best player in this draft. And that's what top picks are supposed to be. Now, very few wide receivers are worthy of that spot. I think he might be one that is. And if you're trying to, you know follow that path of committing to Justin and surrounding him with weapons. There's no better choice in this draft than Marvin Harrison Jr. So it, you know, from the top spot, I was thinking about where's Marvin going, where's Marvin going, but I don't think the Patriots are going to get more wins out of Marvin Harrison Jr. than they are out of Drake May. I like Drake May a lot as a quarterback prospect. Is he a better player than Marvin Harrison Jr.? No, he's not, but he's going to be more impactful because he's going to touch the ball on every single play. And, if you don't have a quarterback in this league, we've said it many times, you take swings until you get one. If you have the second overall pick in the draft and there are two or three highly thought of quarterbacks in that draft, you take your swing. Now, you pick the one you want, but without that, all the other arguments are kind of moot. Like, oh, we'll kick the can down the year for a road to the free agent and we'll get you know Marvin double teamed and beat up for a year and then we'll be better. Like, why not just start, get that rookie year out of the way, see if you got something. And if not, you're right back in the mix, take another swing, do what you need to do. But you're not going to have to trade extra picks to get him. You actually have a pick where you can get one of the top quarterback prospects in the draft. You need one desperately. You are not going anywhere. You're currently spinning your wheels without one. You got to do it. One quick note, and then we'll get right back to the show, I promise. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys are listening to this in the middle of your fantasy playoffs and trying to glean any sort of knowledge for any little advantage that you can when it comes to start sits. And uh, I wish I could help you guys out with that, truly. But I'm very resentful that you're in the playoffs and I'm not. It was a really rough year for me, I'm not going to lie. I went against my own advice and I didn't draft Puka when he was sitting right there. Like I told all of you to draft Puka and I didn't do it because I'm an idiot. I, I put all my eggs in the Luke Musgrave basket when Sam Laporta was sitting right there. You know, Nick Chubb got hurt. I spent my fab all wrong. It was bad, okay? It was a really bad fantasy year for me. But luckily, I do have a chance at redemption and many of you also have a chance at redemption if your season went just as shitty as mine. And that redemption is called Playoff Best Ball. If you don't know what playoff best ball is, just as an example, if you play on underdog fantasy, for instance, up to six players will draft 10 rounds with a roster construction of one quarterback, one running back, two wide receivers or tight ends, and one flex. The games start in the wildcard round and run through the end of the playoffs, and it's best ball so you don't have to set a lineup, just whichever players at those positions that are on your roster score the highest. Those will be the points that you get credit for so that you don't get penalized for drafting really well but then doing really poorly on start-sit decisions like, oh, I don't know, everybody does. The thing that makes playoff best ball different is that you have to be really good at predicting playoff matchups and which teams you think are going to go all the way because once a team gets eliminated in the playoffs, you can't use their players anymore, obviously. So for instance, last year, if you had a bunch of Eagles and Chiefs players in playoff best ball, you probably won the whole thing because you had available players every single week. So if you think you have a good handle on not just which teams are going to make the playoffs, but also which teams you think are going to go all the way, you might like playoff best ball. You can either play with your friends or you can play in huge tournaments with big cash prizes. Either way, you can check it out over on Underdog Fantasy using our promo code bootleg at the link in the description below, or you can use the QR code that's on the screen right now. 
Signing up with that promo code will automatically double any deposit you make up to 100 bucks. And you're also going to get access to a free half yard special in Pick'ems if you happen to like playing Pick'ems as well. Once again, thank you to all of you in our audience. Thank you to Underdog for supporting us. And with that, let's get back to the show. Now, moving on to pick number three, we just talked about Marvin and we're going to talk about him a little bit more because uh, when it comes to the Cardinals, yes, they could trade down from this pick. And I acknowledge that seems to be a front office that really enjoys trading down and, and collecting picks and trying to build the roster through that shotgun approach. Absolutely, that is a, a worthy uh, option here. But again, Marvin, best player in the class. They seem to be sticking with Kyler, like for sure. They made that very clear um, you know, in terms of, of, you know, how quickly they brought Kyler back to get him on the field, get him reps, have this not just be a lost season for them. Like they they doubled down and said, nope, that's our guy. We're not even entertaining the thought of, of Caleb or May or even trading up for Caleb or May. Kyler's the dude. Well, if Kyler's the dude, you need to make sure that Kyler has as much talent as possible around him and especially dynamic, cheap talent around him because Kyler's not exactly cheap right now. So... You know, when you combine that with Marvin just being the best player in this class, uh, receiver being a position of need, Kyler throws a hell of a fade. He's one of the, the he's got one of the prettiest fades in the league still to this day. And uh, Marvin is one of the best contested catchers that I have ever seen in my entire life who fits that exact skill set from his quarterback. It's kind of hard for me to put anybody but Marvin Harrison Jr. at three. I don't want to write it down in pen because, again, a trade back <laughs> is an option. But boy, it's about as close to it's about as close to pen as I can get in this entire mock. The way it lines up is perfect for Arizona in multiple ways, and I say perfect because both quarterbacks are off the board in terms of the top quarterbacks that would be tempting. Hey, if we could trade Kyler and then, you know, reset. Same thing we said for the Bears, get into a cheap quarterback when it that's not going to happen. Those those quarterbacks are most likely going to be off the board. The only way this doesn't happen, which is Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Cardinals giving Kyler another top flight target or a top flight target and alpha target to throw to, which he really needs, is if somebody else thinks that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the second coming and offers them a quarterback load like of picks, because Monty Fort has a lot of holes in that roster. Uh, I was just on a Cardinals podcast before we started recording this. We talked at length about this, and I was doing my homework for that. And looking through that roster, the drafts of the Chimera are coming to call at this point. That is not a talent-rich roster. They do not. They are not one player away. They are not five players away. They they are an entire defense away in a lot of in a lot of categories. So, it would be very tempting. You've already said it. The front office likes it, but it would have to be a quarterback-like haul. It could not be like, oh, this is fair value. Because if it's fair value, you just take Marvin Harrison Jr. and and you know sleep very well at night. If it is unfair value for the Cardinals, they have to consider it because that's the spot they're in. This is also a wide receiver rich draft. They could come back and get two or even three wide receivers in this draft, get some playmakers, surround Kyler, have weapons, and have future assets to build this team, which they need. That is the only way I would advocate for not taking Marvin Harrison Jr. here. Uh, my, my one thought in terms of like trade-up candidate 
and it kind of depends on on what um, what Denver's doing with Russ. And, and we mm-hmm. talked uh, recently about the, the contract situation with Russ where they have to make a decision now um, because of how the contract is structured. It's like if they keep him for 2024, they literally have to keep him for 2025. Like the, I mean, it's about as set in stone as it gets, right? Mm-hmm. If they go with that, knowing that, okay, Russ is the type of quarterback that completely avoids the middle of the field. He attacks down the numbers. We need guys that can win or attacks down the sidelines. We need guys who can win on the sidelines, not necessarily warriors over the middle. Contested catchers are at a premium. Jerry Judy is not that. If anybody was going to offer that kind of package to go up, I kind of think Sean Payton would look would look at that and say, if I'm stuck with Russ, I, I got to get receivers that fit Russ. And Marvin fits Russ like a glove. It's like sure. potentially a, a Cortland Sutton plus type type fit there. So just throwing that out there, you know, keep an eye on Denver. I, I could see that. Um, all right, pick number four, Commanders. It, even with their receiving core, if Marvin was on the board, I would have said Marvin here just because Sure. how could you resist? And I think that goes for every <laughs> spot below, honestly, two, right? Pretty or, much, yeah. Or at two and down. I mean... At one, if you're if you're set at quarterback, you stick and pick. You take Marvin. So I think he's in play for every pick until he's picked, which will be within the top three. And then, you know, it'll be like, well, if he was on the board, we would have taken him. But he's not on the board because he's gone. In the absence of him being on the board, though, I look at the commander's roster and, like, they're not desperate, desperate at left tackle. Like, I think Charles Leno has been fine through most of his career. But... A, he's getting older now. B, he's only got one year left on his deal, and it is the type of deal where if they wanted to move off of it, they could relatively painlessly. Um, and I'm not convinced the commanders, just looking at the commander's talent, I'm not convinced they're going to be back here next year. And so I kind of feel like if you're in position to get a left tackle of the future, and again, this is assuming they believe in Sam Howell and or Jacoby Brissett, who knows? Again, they're not getting one of the top two quarterbacks. So if they're rolling with Sam Howell another year or Brissett or whatever, I, I still kind of feel like, hey, you're probably not going to get another chance at a left tackle of this caliber. You might as well do it now. And then it comes down to Fashanu versus Alt and where you fall in, in that debate. For me personally, I have flip-flopped on this one 10 times already in terms of, of who I would take between Fashanu and Alt. And to try to try to kind of get a tiebreaker, I went back last night and I looked at every single pressure that both of them had given up this year. Like, okay, what, what gives them problems? And I noticed, so Fashanu's credited with like 10 pressures given up this year. Alt has six, but really it's more like two. There were a couple that were given to him where I was like, ah, I don't know if I'd put that on him. But I watched Fashanu versus Ohio State where he gave up like six pressures in that game. And um, ah, their edge. Uh, JT uh, Tuamalau, is that pronunciation check on that? Boy, he had Olu in hell in that game. <laughs> yeah, he, he opened him up with power repeatedly, got him to open the gate. And I was kind of looking at at all the pressures that Olu had given up throughout the year. And I kind of I kind of saw this consistent theme of, okay, he's a leggy guy. 
He's got really long, thick legs. He's kind of built like Alex Leatherwood. He's not Alex Leatherwood. He's better than Alex Leatherwood, obviously. But, you know, they, they kind of both had that, that build to him of just this massive fucking trunk. But Olu doesn't get out as quickly as Leatherwood did. Leatherwood would actually get out too quickly. He would overshoot his landmarks and give up inside moves like crazy. And he never learned how to fix that. Olu kind of slow plays it a little bit to the point where he doesn't get to his landmarks quick enough, in my opinion. Like that first step isn't explosive enough, in my opinion. Like he's athletically, he's got it in him, but he just doesn't, he doesn't really get out. I'm Commit to Duke, it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm hoping that Duke Mannyweather can fix that this offseason. He's working with Duke and Frisco. Um, and I was looking at all the pressures he gave up against Ohio State, and it's because he wasn't getting deep enough. And so he kind of, you know, as as JT was coming in on him, he would kind of stop his feet, and he would just attack his outside shoulder and just run right through it. Like, he gave a soft corner every single time. And in my head, I'm like, if you just got to your landmark and you're taking him, like, dead on, like, you're big enough and strong enough that you can do that, but he just wasn't, he wasn't getting all the way out there, and he was basically letting JT just attack half a man very easily, and he would open the gate on him every single time. So I think if he just fixes that first step and he gets a little bit more explosive with it, a little bit more intentional with it, he'll be totally fine. But when I compare that to Joe Alt, who already is totally fine and is an absolute brick wall, um, and I also I like him a lot as a run blocker as well, I'm not going to lie, I feel a little bit better about Joe Alt. And so for my pick, at four, Commanders, give me Joe Alt, Notre Dame. This is the first place where we diverge, and it's not because I disagree with any of your arguments. You can look at the tackle situation and say, ah, they're fine, and they can go another year. Or you can say, oh, they need you know, young, good help. And if you're going to get a premium tackle, you get them at the top. I'm using the same argument, but I'm flipping it over to defense. They just got rid of Chase Young and Montez Sweat. And their current starting edges are James Smith-Williams and Casey Toolhill. <laughs> and you got to generate pressure on opposing quarterbacks. I would say their current tackle situation, while not settled on the offensive side, is far better than their current edge rusher side on the defense. It's not good, and it's the same argument. If you're going to get top edge rushers, you need elite athletes. They go very early. If you wait to the second round, I think there's better tackle depth, offensive tackle depth in this class than there is edge rusher depth. And that was really the kicker for me is which one do you need to get first? So for me, you got to go edge first. And that's Latu Latu from UCLA. He is the most productive college pass rusher this year. I think he has one of the highest ceilings. I think he's going to hit every athletic threshold to get every GM over the line comfortably to say, no, he's a top pick as an edge rusher because it is one of the few positions where that lines up very directly. If you are not a top athlete, you are not going to be a top edge rusher, period. So he clears all those hurdles, I think, fairly easily when he gets to the combine. People are going to go back to his tape, look at all the different ways that he wins, and they're going to say, we are in desperate need here. And we don't have anybody really, if you look at the back end of the roster, that we're like, oh, yeah, this gives the young guy the chance to play because they'd be playing right now and they're not. 
you got to restock the cupboard here. You got to do it early. That was the kicker for me. I think in round two, they definitely do go and get offensive tackle. I think they can in this draft, whereas I'm not as sure if they wait to round two, they're going to get. It's the classic like, okay, if we go edge in one, we get Latu. If we go tackle in round two, we get blank. Okay, if we flip that, we get Fashanu or Alt. Who's the edge we get at the top of round two? Yeah. Which which pair would you rather have? And I think I'd rather have Latu and the tackle you get at the top of round two. There's a lot of Commanders fans, and I, I would love uh, for them to, to chime in on this, but there's a lot of Commanders fans that are kind of looking at their their edge rotation right now, knowing that they're going to have to invest invest a high pick in, in kind of restocking that cupboard, and at the same time saying, like, we had one. <laughs> we traded him <laughs> away. Like, why do yeah. we do? We're just going to have to invest another pick. Like, why didn't we just pay the one that we know is good? And who's played very well in Chicago since he got to Chicago. It, it, that that kind of move, I, I look at it now and I'm like, why? You know, like huh? you you had one. Just you have cap space. Yeah. You have a cheap quarterback. Yeah. Like what? He's know. currently leading both franchises in sacks. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> that's crazy. First of all, that's Which really is, bad for the Bears. <laughs> it, it's terrible for them. It's not great for, for the Commanders either. So, uh, but it is rare. Like, I can't remember that ever happening. And if he ends up the season that way, that would be, I mean, he certainly, I think, will end up as the Bears sack leader unless something really disturbing happens. He might get surpassed as the Commander sack leader, but that, that would be a thing historically. And I'm with you. You have demonstrated ability. It is going to be very expensive. It, it was very expensive for the Bears. It's perhaps, you know, again, we're not in the building. We don't know, you know, what the demands would have been to stay in Washington. Maybe he really wanted out, he being Montez Sweat, um, and made that very clear that I'm going to charge you 10% more than I charge anybody else to, to take a contract to stay here. We don't know, um, but it is frustrating as a fan to say, hey, we picked one and he worked out. That's the hard part. Just keep him. They chose not to. It makes it, in my mind, their number one sort of crying out need is you're you're not going to rush the passer consistently with what you have. Um, again, there are not young guys on tap who this gives extra opportunities to. You got to go get one or that pass defense is just going to have to hang out there on an island for five seconds. And just about any NFL offensive coordinator can break a secondary at that point. What gets me is like, okay, if, if Leotu Latu goes out there and gets, you know, 12 and a half sacks in 15 games, you're like, cool, pick worked out. It, it, that's what Montez did this year. So it's like, if, if, La, if, if Latu works out, he will be at the level that you already had on the team that yep. you traded away for a second round. I don't know. The whole thing is just weird to me. Like, the, I'm sure they had their reasons, and I would love Commanders fans to let me know what those are. But just looking at the current state of the roster, they traded away a guy for a second round pick that's getting production that you would hope to get from a top four pick? Okay, sure. Yeah. It happens all the time in the NFL, though. This this is not just a, a an edge thing or a defensive end thing. We see it with, you know, we see it with wide receivers. We see it with uh, not necessarily with quarterbacks. We see it with offensive linemen, right? You trade an offensive lineman away. I mean, their starting left tackle came, you know, didn't get resigned in Chicago, and Chicago is looking for the production that left 
They just wanted mm-hmm. another Charles Leno. They were lucky enough to get one, but that doesn't always happen. And it leaves fans, like you said, wondering, kind of holding the bag, like, so we had a thing and we got rid of it and we either got the same thing or less. Like, what are you doing here? Why didn't you just pay the guy that was here and working? Well, speaking of the Bears, back on the clock at pick five, the beneficiaries of that sweat pick or sweat trade. So Edge, is, I mean, Edge is still a need for Chicago, but it's not as much of a like a holy shit, we need an Edge right now kind yeah. of need, you know? Yeah. Or else Latu would have been the pick here. And so there's a little bit of freedom. You know, they got uh, they got their quarterback in Caleb. I'm assuming in this scenario, they're trading away Justin for insert pick here. Mm-hmm. And so they're sitting there at five. A lot of different directions they can go. Uh, this kind of does come down to are, are you a Braxton Jones believer or not? Let's just go with the scenario that Braxton's left tackle next, next year. Fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can live with it. Um, again, I would strongly consider either Olu or Alt, but we'll, we'll just go with Braxton. In that case, I would say top, top choice here is going to be a weapon of some kind, whether it's tight end or receiver, meaning Bowers versus either Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze, depending on who you have as your wide receiver too. For me personally, I have Neighbors as my wide receiver too in this class, but I want to expand on him, and he's my pick here. I think he's your pick too, actually, now I think about it, right? He actually is. Yeah, but I, I kind of want to expand on Neighbors because I feel like uh, putting wide receiver two next to his name doesn't do it justice for how close he is to Marvin. Like, it's not that far off, okay? I'm putting him in the same tier as Jamar Chase. I'm putting him in the same tier as the Julio Joneses and A.J. Greens and all the guys that have gone in that that general range, right? He's there. Like, my comp for him is literally Odell Beckham, okay? Like, one of the best receivers of his generation. Obviously, injuries kind of caused him to not have the career that maybe he should have. But when Odell was right, Odell was unstoppable. And Malik Neighbors is in that same category for me. The explosiveness, the twitch, the ball skills, the yards after catch ability, the route running ability. He's wide receiver one in almost every other receiver class in the last like 14 years. He just happens to be in the class with Marvin. But he's right there, dude. And he's he's worth a top five pick. And you package him with DJ Moore. And, well, they're probably not going to keep Mooney. Uh, but you package him with DJ Moore and insert wide receiver three here that they get from by any other means. Shit, trade for T. Higgins. I don't give a fuck at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, get, you get T.J. Moore, T. Higgins, Malik Neighbors, Caleb Okay, Williams. yeah, I'm in. You, Let's you go. got me right there. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to roll over and go to sleep happy at that point. No, I, you know, even if they don't go that extreme, I agree with everything you said about Neighbors, and he is worthy of a top five pick because he is wide receiver one in a lot of wide receiver classes, even the good ones that we've seen come out. He is that talented, but the only reason that people are going to talk about him a little bit less is because Marvin is the player that he is. And mm-hmm. that's no fault of Malik's. And when people go back and they start looking at Jaden Daniels tape and who caught all those passes, then they're going to see Malik all over those early tapes, especially in the year when he was just so explosive and had those massive games. They're going to be like, 
damn, this guy, he can down the field, good size, great speed. He can go across the field, good hands. Like they're going to be like, this guy's really good. And they're going to come around to the fact that, yeah, he is completely worthy of a top 10 pick, even in a very talented draft. This lines up for the Bears. Uh, if they go and get their new quarterback, they've already got DJ Moore. And you're going to hear me say something that you is you just be sitting down. You're sitting down, right? Yeah. Cole Komet has improved this year. You? He is a better. I know. Are acknowledging massive, Cole Komet? <laughs> I've been a massive Cole Komet detractor, but I also try and be extremely fair on this podcast. And the reason I was a detractor is because largely he was not playing as well as a lot of people were giving him credit for. I'm quietly or not quietly. Like Cole Komet has improved in areas where I have ragged on him earlier in his career. He is a better player now than he was even at the beginning of this year. And you can say that about a lot of the Bears. Like they're having a lot more success now, but Cole Komet in particular. Now, that's not going to keep me from selecting Brock Bowers, but before I was looking at that cupboard as largely empty because it was kind of empty calories. There wasn't a lot there. Cole Komet has improved to enough point where now you go, mm, no, we need wide receiver two more than we need tight end one at this point because Cole Komet is holding that down. Neighbors and DJ Moore and insert wide receiver from rounds three through five because they will be there this year. There are 20 wide receivers in this class who are worthy of a choice. You could get wide receiver 12 or 13 or whatever to be wide receiver three to presumably take Mooney's spot because they're most likely not going to reassign him. And you're going to have weapons for whichever quarterback is helming this offense that are going to be light years ahead of where they were two years ago. You look at last year's starting wide receiver lineup and you look at next year's potential wide receiver starting lineup. If you draft a guy like neighbors way better. I would also uh, say for the bears fans listening to this, um, if you want an answer to the question, Hey, uh, what would it look like if Valus Jones was good at football? Watch Malachi Corley. There's your day two <laughs> wide receiver three. Like, he does everything that Valus was supposed to do, but he's, like, good at it. So, take him, Pulls, assuming you're still there in April, please. Uh, all right, pick number six, Giants. The Giants got very lucky. They, they've kind of been <laughs> Giants flirting. fans wouldn't tell you that. <laughs> I know. Even with the Tommy DeVito stuff and the winning games and, you know, the, the, the good vibes of all the North Jersey Italians, and, and we love our North Jersey Italians, there was a, a lot of Giants fans that were like, okay, let's stop fucking around. All right, we, we, we need to be in this range for Jaden Daniels. Please don't compromise this. Luckily, they are still in range for Jaden Daniels, and that is both of our picks mm-hmm. for the Giants here. I love Tommy DeVito's story. I think he's he's genuinely fun to watch, like genuinely fun to watch. I would keep him around as as my QB two, QB three, like what it, on the roster, just part of the quarterback room. Keep him there, and Daniel Jones is going to be there for another year anyway. Also part of the quarterback room. Neither of those guys is keeping me from drafting Jaden Daniels, like at all. They they still need a long like an actual viable long term answer, in my opinion. Tommy DeVito's fun story. I don't know if he's that. And Daniel Jones, this many years in, I have zero evidence to say that he's that. the The contract they gave him didn't even say that he's that. The contract was just like a eh, maybe. We'll see how maybe. this goes, and it didn't go well, right? So, 
you know, even though Daniel is coming back from injury and I have to assume he's going to be ready by September, if he wins the the starting job and he's QB1, I don't think he holds off Jaden for very long. Like by Halloween, Jaden would get on the field anyway, right? So take the opportunity while you can. You're at the sixth pick. Take a wildly talented quarterback that is a better prospect than even Jones was when he was coming out anyway. He's hypermobile. He's got a great arm. Great kid. Has improved drastically every year for the last three years. Like he's kind of on that Jalen Hurts track where it's like every year is better. Um, yeah, but by a bunch. <laughs> other, other like than if this you year. look at the <laughs> if you look at the steps between, I agree. It's the same upward trajectory. It's the same winning mentality. The same learning mentality of I'm going to learn from my mistakes. I'm going to get better in areas where I wasn't as good last year. But if you look at the steps, the jumps between Jaden's years, he's he's a supernova this year. Like he absolutely deserved to win the award. And when people go back, they are going to see that. This is not QB3 tailing way off the back. This is QB3 a lot closer to QB1 and QB2 than anybody would have said before this year started. And, and you know, sometimes guys just, just take a while to get there. I mean, he's a fifth-year senior, started at ASU, ended up at LSU. Um, but his last year at ASU, he had a TD to interception ratio of 10 to 10. And that was that was at a point you know, a crossroads in his career where everybody's like, I don't know if this is going to work. Goes to LSU next year, 17-3. and three. Great numbers, efficient numbers, not eye-popping numbers. Then this year, 40-4. to four. This year it clicked. And yes, again, receivers were great. Go figure. Quarterback gets NFL quality receivers and, and he pops off against college kids. Like, I, I understand that. But like, you don't throw 40 touchdowns by, by accident, okay? You don't run for as many yards as he did and be as dangerous uh, in every facet of the game as he is by accident. Like, he's fucking good. And he's gotten better every year. Like, it's it's an easy argument to me. He's really, really good. And in terms of what the Giants have, when you said the Giants got lucky, I think they did, but not in the way that maybe people think. Certainly lucky enough to be still in range to pick a player like Jaden Daniels. What they really got lucky on, I think, is DeVito coming in and winning three games and going, wait a minute. If DeVito can win three games, where the hell was that with Daniel Jones? It sort of gave them a reality check of a very different pedigreed quarterbacks and going, wait, like, if it works with him, why wasn't it working with the $40 million man and sort of getting over that last hump of going, look, I don't think Daniel Jones is the guy going forward. So yeah, he's probably on the roster really in contract only next year. But even so, if you go and draft Jaden Daniels, as we both think they might at this point in December, you give Jaden Daniels the reps in camp, getting ready, Week one, you get it out of his system. And you have two other quarterbacks that can play, which is a, uh, I would say, very desirable situation in the NFL. Quarterbacks don't often make it through an entire season. You got two guys who have taken starter snaps in the NFL. That's rare. It's a good position to be in, but you get the rookie out there. You get the talent on the field. You get those rookie lumps out of the way, and you really build to the next year. And because, like you said, neither one of those guys, Jones or DeVito, is keeping me from drafting a guy like Jaden Daniels and playing a guy 
Legend Days. One quick note, and then we'll get right back to the show. We are approaching the greatest gauntlet of chicken wing consumption of the entire calendar year, the NFL playoffs. And if you love making wings at home and you want free wings over and over and over again for an entire year, you can get those free wings as an added bonus to every single box that you get delivered from ButcherBox. And it's not just free-range chicken that you can get from ButcherBox, by the way. They also have grass-fed beef in every cut you can think of, wild-caught seafood, and pork that is raised crate-free. Whatever high-quality cuts you guys like to cook, ButcherBox has them available right now to deliver straight to your door in either custom or curated boxes in whatever frequency of delivery you want as well. And again, for a limited time right now, if you order anything on ButcherBox to get yourself ready for the playoffs, those orders will come with three full pounds of wings for free in every order for a whole year. Also, you get 20 bucks off your first order as well between now and December 26th. So check out ButcherBox at the link in the description below. Use our promo code bootleg to get those free wings plus $20 off your first order as well. Again, that is the link down below, butcherbox.com bootleg. Promo code bootleg to take advantage of this offer. Thank you again to ButcherBox for sponsoring today's show. And with that, let's get back to it. Moving on to uh, to pick seven here. And it's kind of unfortunate for the Jets because if they were at pick six, I still would have advocated for Jaden Daniels because, okay, Aaron's coming back for another year. We've acknowledged that. We've accepted that. Good for them. As a 40-year-old quarterback, if he gets hurt next year, we're right back to where we were this year. So, like, they still needed another option anyway. And I would have advocated for Daniels as their QB of the future and Aaron's new uh, heir apparent in that scenario. But this is not that scenario. They're at seven. He's gone. So, in that case, let's build around Aaron. Let's try to make this work for another year and pray. Right? And there's a debate among Jets fans right now of, okay, does that mean we, we go tackle because pass protection's an issue? Or does that mean we go receiver because we got Garrett Wilson and Garrett Wilson? For me personally, even though I would totally accept Olu Fashanu here, like that would be a perfectly fine pick. I really cannot screw this up. In the sense that I need to make sure whoever I am taking here between receiver or tackle is the best player. And I have more confidence in Roma Dunze working out and being like a Pro Bowl caliber player than I do in Olu Fashanu. Not to say that I don't think that Olu can't be a Pro Bowler. Is that too many Mm -hmm. negatives? Double, triple negative? (laughs) Like, I'm not saying that. I like Olu a lot as a prospect. I'm going to have him in my top 10. But I'm saying if I'm picking at seven and we have a 40-year-old quarterback and I need to make sure this works, I will get fired if this does not work. I am putting my eggs in the Roma Dunze basket because I believe in him that much. Again, in most wide receiver classes, he's wide receiver one. He just happens to be in the same class as Marvin Neighbors, but he's better than anybody they had last year. He's better than anybody that's come out since probably Jamar, not named Marv or Malik Neighbors. So I, I pair him up with Garrett Wilson. We have a dynamic one-two punch for Aaron to throw to. Again, I, I know tackle is an issue. Like you said, there are tackles in this class that we can get on day two. I don't think you can get anything comparable to, to Rome on day two. 
So if we're just doing the stacks of like, what are you mm-hmm. getting now? What are you getting later? Yep. I think the gap between Rome and like wide receiver eight, because I think there's going to be seven receivers in the first round and tie the tie the record. I think the gap between Rome and wide receiver eight is wider than the gap between Olu and tackle four or five or, or whatever it's going to end up being like Mims from Georgia. Right. Like I, I, I don't think the gap is as as large there. Again, I love Olu as a player. We're going to talk about him even more. But I am obsessed with Ramadunze. <laughs> and I would be sick to my stomach if I have a shot of drafting him and a legitimate needed receiver and I let him go. Yes. <laughs> I think <laughs> eggs is an apt comparison because Rodgers is getting fragile and it's not surprising. He's 40-year-old quarterback, played for a long time. He's taken a lot of hits. He's coming off an Achilles injury. I'm protecting him at all costs and the Jets offensive line is not that. They need yeah. a tackle. You've got a great tackle prospect on the board here with Olu Fashanu. And I, you know, this goes back to the very classic Jamar Panay Sewell, like, you know, hey, if Jamar's yeah. out here, you can throw it to him, except <laughs> you're getting killed. It, it's that argument all over again. And yes, Garrett Wilson needs help. And yes, this is a great wide receiver class. There are a bunch of them. Are you going to get a talent as good as Rome in the second round? No, you're not. And you don't need to sway me on Roma Dunze. Plays right up the road. Got to see him last year at the Pro Day. Uh, you know, and it was funny. Like you talked about how everybody was looking at Caleb at the USC Pro Day, even though he wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all standing on the sidelines at the UW Pro Day. I was standing next to Alex Katzen, who was on with us last Thursday night stream. And like, I was watching stuff on the field and, you know, he's like, there's Rome. And I was like, what? <laughs> and like, every, like Rome just walked in in his sweats to watch all his buddies perform as happens at lots of pro days. And like, but everybody was like, oh yeah, <laughs> there he is. So you don't have to sway me on Rome. He's a great player. I certainly going to follow him wherever he goes in the league. I think he's going to be very successful right off. The Jets absolutely need a weapon. If Rodgers gets broken a quarter of the way into the season, it's not going to matter. They don't have anything at quarterback. They're probably not going to have anything at quarterback. They haven't been able to find that crosstown, you know, Tommy DeVito magic of any kind of backup. You know, Gardner Minshew's not walking through that door. We're just done. So Rodgers is steadfast at coming back. I think he can do it because, look, that man is really good at driving daggers through my heart. I am sure he can accomplish it. <laughs> But I want to keep him upright. I want to see it. We both wanted to see it this year, desperately. We wanted to see him throwing to Garrett Wilson. If he's on his back or with another broken part next year, because, again, that line is incredibly leaky, it's not going to matter. So I went line first. I went Olu Fashano, try and keep him upright, get targets later on, which you can do in this draft, both at tight end and wide receiver. Fill up on those later. You absolutely need them. It's Garrett Wilson versus the world right now. But tackle first. Uh, we're going to keep it with that tackle theme talking about the chargers. Cause you have the other tackle going here. Uh, again, I do not, I, I went with a skill position player over Olu here for the chargers, not receiver. Cause all my top three receivers are gone at this point. Yep. Um, but I want you to expand on, on, uh, your tackle pick for the chargers here. And I want you to clarify one thing you have, him playing right tackle, not left tackle, correct? I do in this particular scenario. I think he can play either. 
And, uh, you know, strangely enough, their left tackle came in. Uh, their current left tackle came in. That is the Chargers playing right tackle and then moved to left. And we said, hey, he can be either. I think of him in a very similar way. That's Joe Alt to Rayshon Slater. I think they are comparable players in a lot of ways. And I think Joe Alt could play right. And if they think Rayshon goes back to right and Joe plays left, whatever. You need a tackle. We both came into the, the season saying, hey, the Chargers' right tackle is better than we thought. He got good. He hasn't been good this year. <laughs> he started off good, and he's gone downhill, and Justin Herbert is getting less chances because he's running for his life more often. This gives you, if you take Joe Alt for the Chargers pick at eight, gives you a pair of young bookends you can build around. I don't care right or left. They're both going to be on the field for me. And you're going to give Justin Herbert more chances. And I want to see that because the new coaching staff's obviously coming in. We know that already. We know Justin's a great quarterback. Going to give him more time. He's got some targets. It's not like the Jets scenario where he has one target and nobody else. Does he need more? Sure. Can they get them later? Sure. But it feels like, all right, we're building a wall in front of Justin. And he's going to be able to hit guys i think he has a talent that's a little bit like aaron Rodgers of elevating lesser receivers we've seen that even without protection he can make chicken salad out of chicken feathers pretty regularly so you don't necessarily need top receiving talent would it be nice sure if you keep him on his feet with his arm talent and his you know football intangibles i think we'll see great results kind of no matter who he's throwing to. So I prioritize tackle. I know a lot of Chargers fans are going to go in a different direction. That's okay. You went in a different direction. Totally cool. I get it. They have multiple needs. That roster does need help. But for me, it starts with the trenches and keeping the guy we just paid a billion dollars upright. See, I went the much more selfish route. I, 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 <laughs> I, I want to see for, it. It's fun. <laughs> yes. All flash, no substance. Yes. That's, that's the motto of my draft. Uh, who cares about practicality? I want fun. I want laser beams. Uh, and so I went Brock Bowers, partially because Gerald Everett uh, is a free agent after this year. Like they could they could bring him back, but they're like in pretty deep cap trouble right now. So mm-hmm. good luck trying to do that. Um, and so th- they have a tight end need or a likely tight end need anyway. So I went Brock Bowers here, but also I see the Bowers pick as a sneaky little hedge against uh, Quentin Johnston in the sense that if QJ doesn't work out, because QJ's had a little bit of a rough rookie year. Yep. If QJ doesn't work out and Keenan's 30, he's going to be 32, I think, this coming year, you could be staring down the barrel of like the Josh Palmer show by 2025. And I love Josh Palmer. You need more. But he ain't that. Yep. So I'm it's kind of a hedge against uh, QJ slash Keenan's age while also filling a position that I'm not sure salary cap will allow them to re-sign their current starter because they got to shed Joey. They got to shed Mike Khalil Mack. Who knows? Right. Like mm-hmm. and he's going to be 33 and may, like maybe there's going to be some extension shenanigans here to kind of save money. Keenan, I have to imagine, is going to get extended. Um but the, as of right now, it's like $40 million over the cap. I'm not sure Gerald Everett fits in there, right? So get a new TE1, get a new weapon that can help out Justin in case the weapon they just drafted doesn't work out, and then pray to God that the right tackle you want is there on day two. Again, not 100% sure they will be, 
but yeah, uh, I I know for sure Brock Bowers ain't gonna be there on day two. No. So I, I would take him while I could. You're not getting anything like Brock Bowers uh, anytime after he goes. He is a unicorn, and uh, a lot of people are going to say, tight end in the top 10, what are you doing? Go watch Brock Bowers play. Like, I am an avowed member of the Brock Bowers fan club. Like, I am a stan, 100%, have been for two years, can't wait to see where he plays in the league, don't care where it is, going to root for him. Amazing player and a true offensive threat at tight end in in a way that not very many players at that position are. Um, so, again, when you're when you're picking players like Rome and Brock Powers, it's very hard for me to vote against you because I love those guys. But for me, it's line. The Chargers have a lot of issues. This is not a team that I, I think the veil got pulled back a little bit and people thought the Chargers roster was really, really good. And it was like surface veneer good, but when you pulled it up, there's a lot of rust and rot under there. And shit, you know, I fell no. for it. I, yeah, going into the year, did. I was like, "Oh, let's go!" Like they got everything. Yeah, they're and, loaded, mm, and yeah. again, some injuries and some underperforming, you know, players. And all of a sudden, it was like, "Ooh, age and then cap and money." And you feel like, "Oh, they did load up for this year to make this run money wise." They don't have money going forward. They're not one of those teams that has a lot of free agent dollars. They've got negative free agent dollars right now. Um, they do have a pick. They're going to have to make some choices, but I have a feeling it's going to be a little bit more towards the rebuild side than the flashy upgrade side than people really want to want to get into because when you pull that drywall back, there's some studs in there that are rotten and you're going to have to go down to the core. That's not sexy work to do, but it is necessary if you're going to build the structure with a new coaching staff coming in, new GM coming in. Um, that does give them a little bit of license to do that too. Like, hey, we get we get some free time to rebuild here. Um, so we'll see what happens. Justin's still a great quarterback. Look, if you give him Brock Bowers, I'm not going to be sad because you're going to get fireworks out of it. But for his health and safety, he's been he's been pretty beat up. I want to put some protection in front of him. Uh, I'm kind of that way with Will Levis as we move on to pick number nine. Again, two players that we've already talked about, just in a slightly different order. I have Olu Fashanu. You have Roma Dunze. I think the general theme in theme here is, okay, we think Will Levis can work, but Will Levis needs help so that he can work. I still have a tackle available. And again, even with my issues with Olu, like it, fixable issues, they're minor issues. It's nitpicking. I still am as the ninth overall pick. But even with my issues with Olu, he's still better than any other left tackle they have other than the guy that they had playing guard this year. Uh, but like... You put him on the left, like all of a sudden the left side of their offensive line is actually looking pretty good if you get Olu in there and then we'll figure out something uh, on receiver uh, on day two because we're not, like they, they still somehow still need more guys. Like we went into this year really liking their skill position group and they still somehow need more guys. So we'll figure that out on day two. But um, I've got Olu there and you have Roma Dunze. Yeah, I have Rome here. Again, My for my draft, the top two tackles are off the board. I have tackle as a need for them, absolutely. They, are, in this scenario, are going to be addressing that later on. I'm giving the same argument you gave for Rome when you picked him. He's better than anybody you're getting at tackle here. Again, with the top two tackles off the board. Rome's there. They need a weapon. Uh, Traylon Burks is a little bit like the QJ you know, argument in terms of 
He's had flashes, but hasn't really had an early connection with Will Levis, hasn't been super productive by year two, which this is for him. You'd want to see some more out of him. Typically, is he the guy? Is he going to work out? We spent a high pick on him. I don't know. Can he be productive? I'm not writing him off, but is he going to keep me from drafting a guy like Roma Dunze? He's not. They need another weapon. Uh, you can argue about why, but they do. Um, it's going to help Will Levis's development. I too sort of sneakily looked at this and said, well, you could, you know, take a tackle here and put Skaratsky at right and you'd be set for tackles, but they seem to like him at guard. I liked him there too. They just need more guys on the offensive line and they need more weapons. I think the best one available is Roma Dunze, uh, outside wide receiver. Um, you know, he's got some DeAndre Hopkins to his game. So if he gets to play a year behind D hop, like that's going to be really valuable for him because, they share a lot of similarities. I think Rome actually has a slightly wider skill set, which is kind of scary because Diop is, you know, a 10,000 yard club and everything else. But it would be a very valuable year for him. And if Traylon Burks works out better as the number three as your seam ripper, cool. Like I put him at the big slot. If you've got a Dunze, you've got that flexibility. The big thing uh, with Burks is just durability. And I, I kind of feel like he, I mean, he started this year hurt. Mm-hmm. Like he got hurt uh, during camp and like he did play early on, but you could tell it just wasn't the same. Then he got hurt again and came back and like he has like 12 catches the entire year. And I understand the argument of like, well, if he was healthy, he'd have a lot better seasons. Like, yeah, he would. But when's the last time that Traylon was healthy for a long period of time? He's not. And so even if, even if it's not an indictment on like Traylon as a player, I still think you could take Rome as a as a hedge against Traylon's health because that's just yeah. been an issue since he got in the league. And again, D Hop's getting older or is older. Yeah, so <laughs> he's know, there. You still need another one anyway. So uh, again, whether it's Olu, whether it's Alt, whether it's Rome, whether they keep losing and somehow end up in like Malik Neighbors' range, it's going to be one of those two positions. Because those two positions are going to be the spots that will help Will Levis. And organizationally, top priority is help Will Levis. They have to make sure that works out. Because if Will Levis doesn't work out, they're they're in a world of hurt, right? Because they're looking around the division and they're seeing C.J. Stroud and they're seeing what the Colts are building with Steichen and, you know, potentially Anthony Richardson being a super weapon in his own right. Um, You know, Trevor Lawrence has had... Kind of an up and down year, but like it's still Trevor Lawrence and there's still a, a threat in the division. Like either way, Titans are looking around. They're saying, hey, we we need our own giant monster here that can fend off all their giant monsters. OK, let's let's help Will Levis become that because um, AFC South, you know, we talk about one division being a kaiju fight every year. I think AFC South might be that division next year. So Titans got to keep up. Uh, that brings us to pick number 10, the Falcons. They piss me off so much. <laughs> so, so much. Because you know how much they piss me off? <laughs> like, this is where I would have picked Bowers, but I was like, screw you, you can't have him. You already got a generational tight end and wasted <laughs> him. You don't get another one. That's how much they piss me off. So I'm right there with you. It's just, it's such a, they're such an annoying team. Right, because you look at the roster, and then you look at the record, and you're like, that doesn't make sense. Like th- that roster 
losing this many games doesn't make sense. I understand Desmond Ritter's been asked this year. I get it. Mm -hmm. Okay. But they have the tools to make Desmond Ritter a non-factor. And they just don't do it. They can be, you know, the the run the ball, play defense team. We got Bijan Robinson. We can take some some easier play action shots that are going to be wide open to like Drake London or whatever. Um, like, there's worse teams that have better records, at least on paper, worse teams that have better records. And so the Falcons pissed me off because I feel like with a better coach that understood how to maximize the talent they do have they would be right there uh, for for the division. And, I mean, they kind of were right there for the division for most of the year, but, like, against their own will, you know? Like, it felt like they were actively not trying to win the division with, with some of their personnel decisions. And so I just I feel like Arthur Smith's gone, and if you listen to the quotes from Arthur Blank, like, I, I think he's he's done. Like, I don't, I don't think Arthur's keeping him around because Arthur Blank saw that loss to Carolina – and is just incensed by it. So I think I think Smith is done. And that kind of then sets the table for 2024. It's like, okay, let's say they bring in a coach that actually will maximize their talent, will maximize a young emerging star receiver in Drake London, will actually give Bijan Robinson the ball, um, you know, will ideally with a new young quarterback <laughs> develop them better than Desmond Ritter was. Whether it's Ben Johnson, whether it's, Bobby Slowick, Dave Canales, whoever. Like, doesn't matter to me. Um, but that brings us to the question of, okay, well, what do the Falcons do at 10? And there's a bunch of different directions they can go here because most of the roster is fine, in my opinion. Like, most of it is fine, especially in a lot of key areas. Like, you could argue offense or defense like seven different positions, not because they need seven different positions really badly, but because they don't need any one position like uh, as, as like a, a red alert, five alarm fire type situation. Like they're not there at any position other than maybe quarterback. However, that being said, when you look at their upcoming free agents, there is only one receiver that is currently on the roster that still has a contract in 2024 and that's Drake London. So again, even though receiver is not like the top need on the team because they have Drake London, you can't just line up in 14 personnel every single play. So they're going to have to take one at some point. <laughs> and for me, um, I, I'm, I'm going to have the Falcons do that here. Now, fully acknowledging in this scenario, this would be a trade down. I'm not yeah. saying that I absolutely absolutely would take. AD I wondered Mitchell. about that when I saw your choice. I was like, "Oh, really? We're, we're not projecting trades, but we are kind of projecting trades." We're, like we're starting uh, off with spice in the top ten, are we? Okay. I'm not taking AD Mitchell at ten. Okay, but AD Mitchell at like seventeen. Yeah, for sure. Like I would, I would do, I would do AD Mitchell there. So like, toss me a third round pick. Whoever wants to come up to get. Like whoever, whoever, Johnny Newton, Leatu Latu, doesn't even matter. Uh, like toss me a third rounder. We'll go back. We'll get A.D. Mitchell, who as of right now is my wide receiver four in this class. Smooth operator, you know, kind of has a lot of C.D. Lamb type qualities to him. Um, really, really love him as a player. He he wouldn't just be a quality number two. He would be a one B to to Drake London. 
And I think, I think again, with a new coach that knows how to maximize talent, AD mm-hmm. Mitchell could, could be a really, really good player in the NFL. So um, that's my whole spiel on Atlanta. They suck, but they shouldn't suck. And I'm mad about it. Yep. I agree. And to, to, how is it piling on? I guess it's piling on. There's no reason that this year's Falcons team couldn't have been last year's Giants team. Yeah, 100%. Like with the talent they had, they could have run a very similar, you know, offense and maximized Bijan and Tyler Algier as sort of combo, you know, robot Saquon, you know, just run over the division that way, throw some deep shots to Drake occasionally and you know, I realize that Ritter's not going to play the same running role that Daniel Jones did last year, but they have enough other guys that are talented on that offense. They totally could have run that type of approach and probably won nine games this year, and that would have given them the division. So I'm with you. It's very frustrating that they don't use the talent they have in a way that's sort of most profitable. I do agree the owner's probably over it at this point. That leaves you with what are you going to do with next year's pick? Part of this was spiteful because, yes, they make me mad. I agree with the Drake London thing in terms of, like, he's out there on an island literally next year as the only guy (laughs) under contract. You need help. I think there are ways to get help. We've said that multiple times already and just talking about the top 10 is there's a lot of receivers in this draft that are going to go in round two and round three that could fill out. And the good thing for the Falcons is they don't need an alpha. They've got him in London. Like, London is an alpha. That's a benefit to them. I like their offensive line. I like their defensive line for the most part. Their secondary, you could argue that they need another corner. Move Clark Phillips back inside, get an outside corner. I looked at corner here. Definitely a possibility. But for me, I started looking at the ratings. Wide receiver, first thing. Okay, well, we've already got three wide receivers off the board. You know, what position rank is the fourth wide receiver in this draft? Probably a first rounder. Is he top 10? Just like you said with Mitchell. Mm think he is like so where are you going to get a top 10 player that can have impact in a place where the falcons could really use him besides wide receiver where the next ranked player is probably somewhere in the late teens early 20s and for me i look at their defense particularly their defensive line they have a lot of talent they went out and got david onyamata paid him big free agent money grady jarrett's going to come back at nose tackle presumably next year that's fine but they got calais campbell at the other sort of you know defensive end let's just call it defensive end he's 37 years old still being productive against all odds but jerzon newton sitting right there johnny newton from illinois sitting right there and people say wait he's too short he can't believe i don't want to hear about it (laughs) super talented player best interior pass rusher in this draft best with his hands from the inside and the defensive line perspective figure it out (laughs) like like if you get Campbell back for another year, great. Have him back him up. If not, you know, rotate, take some snaps off, keep him fresh, make him even better. If he leaves and retires, which is totally possible, you can figure out a way. You can look at some of the, like, I was thinking about this last night because this is what I think about. Like, you can take the old Seahawks defense where you had mm. three-ish down linemen and a rusher off the edge and look at the mix of players they currently have on the roster and make that work. So and what you're saying is Johnny Newton is going to be like uh, Brandon Meebane just with a constant supply of smelling salts in front of his face. Yeah, and maybe a jetpack. 
Yeah. Because he is <laughs> and liquid <40 less> quick. <laughs> yeah, he's liquid quick off the inside. And he's going to create pass rush, and I've said it several times already uh, in the last couple of months. I don't care where you get your pass rush. Interior is great. Exterior is great. You need pass rush. You probably need some of both. Um, you know, Grady's amazing. David Onyemata is, I would say, solid to better, like solid to good. He's not great. Certainly hasn't been great this year. He's been solid and you need that guy at the other end, you know, setting the edge all the time. He's awesome at that. You add Jerzon Newton to that as the sort of third slash fourth wheel, depending on how you're going to play your defense with a new coaching staff coming in. I like it. And it feels like an appropriate value in the top 10. Like if you wait much past the top 10, Newton's going to be gone. And there's not really another player like him until you're looking at developmental guys who just have pass rush, but are not super well-rounded players from the inside. Um, so if you want that electricity, that pass rush, and again, it is some flexibility. You've got an alpha wide receiver. Yes. You need a quarterback. We know that their offensive line is pretty good. Their defensive line is pretty good. Their linebackers are okay. Secondary could use a corner. Like they have options here and you can really go all over the board for me. You want a blue chip player. You want somebody that's going to bring immediate impact. Newton's that player for me. Before we uh, wrap things up here, I want to recap our entire top 10 uh, for, for both of us. At the Bears spot, at number one, via Panthers, we both took Caleb Williams. At the Patriots spot, number two, we both took Drake May. Cardinals at three, we both took Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, Commanders at four, our first pick where we kind of differed a little bit. I took Joe Alt, EJ took Leatu Latu, the edge from UCLA. Uh, Bears coming back at five. We both took Malik Neighbors. Giants at six. We both took Jaden Daniels. Jets at seven. I took Roma Dunze. EJ took Olu Fashanu. Chargers at eight. I took Brock Bowers. EJ took Joe Alt. Titans at nine. I took Olu Fashanu finally. And then EJ finally took Roma Dunze. And then Falcons at 10. Uh, EJ took Trajan Newton, the defensive I don't even want to call it defensive end or defensive tackle defensive lineman he, he does whatever yes. he wants to because he's really good uh from Illinois and then I took A.D. Mitchell uh, with a little asterisk uh, for a, a trade down scenario to like middle of the first round uh but I will say A.D. Mitchell really damn good so Falcons fans I know you're pissed off but just go watch him like he's he's phenomenal like as far as players that probably aren't going to be bad in the NFL, like he's pretty up there. So with that, thank you all for watching. I want to thank all of our uh, executive producers on the EP tier on Patreon. We got Iken O, we got Marat, Consti, Andrew, Liam, Connor, and Mike L. Iken just joined uh, the EP tier, by the way. So thank you to him. If you guys are also interested in joining the EP tier, that is linked down on Patreon below or any of our lower tiers that are uh, much less expensive, uh, but still directly support the show. We appreciate you guys for that. Uh, also, if you're interested in bootleg gear from Homage, which I am currently wearing right now, and so is EJ, that is also linked down in the description below. Anything that you buy from Homage, even if it's not bootleg gear, if it's just NFL gear to support your favorite team, we get a cut of all purchases there. So thank you once again to everybody who uh, watched or listened, however you happen to be consuming this show. And next week is going to be uh, just kind of a PSA here. Next week's going to be a little bit weird because I'm going to be on the road. And so we're still doing the TNF stream, but I'm going to be doing it from a hotel uh, up in Northern California. I'm not sure if we're actually doing any podcast next week because Christmas is on Monday and then I leave on Tuesday and then I don't get back till Saturday. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to figure it out. 
Either way, we're we doing are. the TNF stream because it's the last game of the year. So what we're going to do, I'll say instead, because not as much content next week as you're used to, make sure you're following us on Twitter slash X. We're going to do five days of giveaways starting on the 26th of December. We're going to give away some of that new homage gear. And I also have a sort of small grand prize, which will be day five. So look for that. Be sort of different offers, different tiers each day. You'll be responding on Twitter, um, showing that you subscribe to this podcast, showing that you follow us uh, on Twitter. And I'm still calling it Twitter. I can't call it X. I'm I'm uh, never going to call it X. I have no interest in calling it X. (laughs) Anyways. If you want a chance at getting your hands on some of the new bootleg gear, uh, you know, getting a little present for yourself after the holidays, uh, check it out next week. Five days of giveaways starting on the 26th. All right. We'll be back uh, at some point in January, most likely. And uh, until then, have a good holidays. Happy holidays. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage get gig speeds powered by fiber from cox it's internet built for tomorrow today cox always building better download speeds up to one gigabit per second cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection speeds vary and are not guaranteed cox terms and other restrictions may apply